All right, welcome back. So obviously, uh, a few different fireworks in the courtroom yesterday as Donald Trump testified in this case in New York City involving an overvaluation of a number of Trump properties as it pertains to Deutsche Bank and a whole host of issues. And to help us break it all down is Barb McQuaid, the former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan and now professor at University of Michigan's law school. Uh, Barb, it's good to have you. Thanks very much, Chris. Great to be with you. You know, we, we saw some some different things yesterday and prosecutors were asking Donald Trump about his level of involvement in the organization over the evaluation and over evaluation of assets like Trump Towers triplex. Did the former president, in your mind, provide an answer to that? Not really. You know, most of what he did, I thought, was sort of double down on the idea that these uh, properties were properly valued or, if anything, were undervalued because they failed to take account of the extra value of the Trump brand. You know, a couple of times he did concede that he participated in the valuation and that he knew that banks relied on those valuations in uh, assessing their own decisions. But um, largely, I I don't think he moved the needle either way, uh, which is probably harmful to his case since the documents indicate uh, such great levels of overinflation. Well, and and that's where the judge in this case had already made a ruling that there was already overvaluation um, based on the paper trail alone. But but Donald Trump did bring up his financial statements and how they would always hold up in court because of the disclaimers that were added to those statements. He he never said he never really got involved in that aspect because of those clauses. Does that play here? You know, it it may. I think the judge is going to have to assess the value of those things. But, you know, basically what he's saying is, although we we post all these things up there, we give a disclaimer that says, you know, we we don't really know whether these are accurate. Um, And then also pointing to the banks and saying, you failed to do your due diligence, then the problem's on you, not on me. That, as a matter of law, doesn't really fly because the representations we make are supposed to be accurate. You know, imagine if you uh, misstated your own income and said, uh, and sent it into the IRS and said, well, it's up to them to do their due diligence. Like they could look into my income and figure out if I'd overpaid or underpaid. It's, it's on them. Um, and everybody's happy, so no harm, no foul. And, and that's not really how it works. I mean, there's a reason that you have to submit what is believed to be an accurate assessment of the value of these assets because lenders and insurers are just making a decision about whether they want to take a risk on a loan. And they're only going to do that if they think it's backed by adequate assets so that they don't lose money if the loan goes bad. Well, and that's one of the arguments that the Trump camp has made is that places like Deutsche Bank, uh, they also send out their own evaluators and assessors to find out what the, the, the real uh, evaluation is of these aspects. Do, do you do you believe that because the banking system, the financial system uh, didn't have a problem with this, that it's it's unreasonable for the court to? No, because that's not what the law requires. The law requires um, honest appraisals, not just ones that you can get away with. Uh, it, it's sort of a, a victim-blaming uh, argument. I think this argument flies from time to time when you have a fact finder that's a jury. Uh, it might sound pretty good, like, yeah, yeah, those banks are sophisticated. <laughs> uh, it, it, but with a judge as the fact finder, he has already admonished the parties that this is not consistent with the law. So I don't think it's going to fly. Donald Trump yesterday promised he was going to bring in bankers next week to testify and say that this didn't matter. That may help him as a factual matter. But again, because of the judge's view of the law, 
uh, that that likely is not going to provide any defense. The prosecutors were also uh, honing in on the reporting structure uh, of the organization after Donald Trump became president. Did did he address that and, and did he address it adequately? Um, he, he did address it. He talked about how he turned it over to his children while he was president to avoid conflicts of interest. And then he took it back when he um, left politics. Um, I don't know whether he, he addressed it adequately. I think that one of the strategies of the Trump children and Donald Trump himself really is to just sort of double down on this idea that um, these assets are, are worth every bit as much as we say they are. And we weren't really involved in any of this. It was all the accountants. And so if there's a problem, it's their fault and not ours. Mm. You mentioned Judge Engeron in this case. He he already made the decision that there was there was a certain level of of fraud committed here. Um, but there is likely to be an appeal in this case from the Trump camp. Did did he set that up based on his testimony yesterday? Well, I think there's you know there's often an appeal whenever there's an adverse decision against a party, and so I fully expect that there will be an appeal. I think one of the things we're seeing is the Trump team trying to bait the judge a little bit. You know, they've had this ongoing war with his clerk, trying to suggest that it is somehow improper for the clerk to be sharing notes with the judge, which is, you know, what a clerk does in the courtroom. Uh, early on, they found this photo of her posing with the senator of her state, Chuck Schumer, who's a Democrat, and started calling her Schumer's girlfriend. And uh, I think trying to suggest that the judge is biased in some way. Um, is it, that's just a non-issue. It's a non-starter. But it does get under the judge's skin from time to time when they raise these things. And so perhaps they're trying to bait him into, you know, saying something that might be some sort of error. I, I don't know that we've seen anything that rises to that level. Um, but I imagine they will appeal um, the order. I think they know that this case in this court is probably done just based on what the judge has already ordered. And this trial really is just a question of about how much of uh, the requested $250 million should be disgorged for the taxpayers of the state of New York. Um, and so I think they're playing this one more to the court of public opinion than to a court of law, knowing that this one's likely a loss and that any victory is going to have to be obtained in the court of appeals. You know, you, you, you've you seen a lot of cases, a lot of court cases uh, in, in your time in, in the in the law field. Do you have you ever seen a, a scenario, a situation that we saw yesterday with the judge almost admonishing Donald Trump uh, a, a few different times, saying that this wasn't a rally uh, and, and asking his legal counsel uh, to rein him in and get control of him? Have you ever seen that before? No, I've seen nothing like that. You know, the witness gets on the stand and usually is very polite and answers questions and says as little as possible. Instead, you know, Donald Trump wanted to give speeches. He's pulling notes out of his pocket. Uh, at one point, the judge had to say, this is not a campaign rally, sir. And, uh, you know, he was criticizing the court, criticizing the judge, criticizing the prosecutor as unfair and political hacks. And when the judge asked uh, Trump's lawyer to see if she could get him under control. She said, no, I'm not going to infringe on his First Amendment rights, which is a really absurd response, you know, to suggest in the courtroom the First Amendment permits you to say anything you want. Um, Certainly judges are within their rights to direct witnesses to answer the questions asked. So, uh, nope, I've never seen anything like it. It reminded me a lot of that first Trump-Biden debate Mm -hmm. where Donald Trump was just sort of saying anything that came into his mind and really wreaking havoc on the system. So, uh, he is a disruptor, and he most certainly disrupted yesterday. And while most of the, the charges that, that he faces uh, don't relate to this case at all, 
was there any overlap in these charges in this case, particularly perhaps to the Stormy Daniels case? Did he say anything here that that the prosecutors uh, in other scenarios would use? I don't think so. I suppose it's possible he made some admission about the way he does business that could be used against him in that case. But, you know, each of those cases has very different allegations. That one was about, in in particular, um, uh, disguising payments to Stormy Daniels as legal fees for Michael Cohen, who then, you know, paid her. So I don't think that will pertain to, uh, you know, any of the other cases here. But I do think it is a good wake-up call for any of the prosecutors handling any of those cases that if he is to take the stand, uh, he will be a very unpredictable force. And aside from the $250 million fine, really at the heart here, and I have just about 30 seconds left, is whether or not the Trump organization will be able to continue to do business in New York. How do you think this plays out? Yeah, that's uh, that, that's probably the more serious penalty here, the revocation of the certificates of doing business. If he cannot do business in New York, then he would have to liquidate his assets there. I mean, he would sell them. He would get the proceeds from mm-hmm. them. But, the, you know, the name Trump Tower would no longer adorn the building where he lives. Uh, 40 Wall Street would be under new ownership. Yeah. Uh, golf courses and other things. So, um, you know, I think that would be a big blow to his empire um, and, uh, you know, would, would force him to focus his business activities out of state. Barb McQuaid, thank you so much. Always appreciate your insight. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Got to take a break. More next on JR Afternoon.